0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane and... Today, we've got two guests a little different for you. Uh, I wanted to build off of last week's conversation that Chris and I had uh, in regards to sports tech. So we've got a guy named Rich Aubend. He is the CEO of a company called Famer. Uh, Famer is a uh, sports coaching platform, basically coaching on your cell phone, and he talks all about it. So uh, And uh, I just thought, though, we, since we talk so much about sports tech uh, and wanted to get uh, some more uh, insight on that with a guy named uh, with Rich, and um, he's very interesting, has a very diverse background, and it uh, came out great. So um, I'm glad Rich was able to join us. So th- they're like shorter than normal, so... Uh, I added a second one on the back end. Uh, a guy named Adam Richmond. Uh, he is the president of Stratomatic, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Super smart guy. Went to um, Harvard Business School, and really is this media mogul, uh, and has turned Stratomatic from uh, a, in my opinion, a boring board game into now this like tech company that's all over the internet. And uh, quick story about Stratomatic. Uh, My first roommate, uh, when I moved to Battle Creek, Michigan, he was our uh, media PR guy. And I didn't know him, I just moved in with him, and him and I were way different. And he would go, when I would go out and be like hanging out with my friends and, you know, doing probably stuff I shouldn't be doing, uh, I'd be like, hey man, I'm going out. He's like, all right, uh, I'm going to play Stratomatic tonight. I was like, uh, with who? Just by myself. I'm going to play Stratomatic. All right, man. I'm going out to a bar. I'll see you about 4 a.m. Um, and, uh, but. He has turned Stratomatic from that guy uh, in our Battle Creek living room to a really cool tech company, and uh, and it's got growth written all over it. Uh, really cool, and I uh, thought you guys would like that too. So a uh, little different, so there will be two interviews today, uh, and I'm very appreciative of Adam Richman uh, from Stratomatic and Rich Aubend uh, from Famer. And next week we're going to have something similar too where it's not – Normal people from the uh, from uh, from the sports teams, but a little bit different. So, just wanted to change it up. Uh, Hope you enjoy. And please, 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 uh, go follow our social media feeds: uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. Uh, They've been uh, improving. Um, mainly because Chris and I aren't doing them anymore uh, but there, it's, it's been a lot of fun and the content there is getting better and better and better so check us out also very much appreciate if you could give a five star review uh, a comment really helps people find our podcast more easily which has been growing like wildfire so thankful for all our listeners and uh, hope you enjoyed today's format Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and uh, guest today is Rich Aubend. He is the CEO of Famer, which is a sports coaching and mentorship platform. Uh, Rich, welcome to uh, Front Office Features.
1: Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. Um, Rich, so I was kind of cruising through your uh, professional background and looking through it, uh you've got it's very interesting to me with a handful of different uh stops and it's a combination of sales and technology and uh, but no matter what it always had health and wellness at the forefront. You want to take us through your days from you know the University of Miami to kind of where your career has kind of led?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um so I got my start in a unique place. Um I got an internship while I was at the University of Miami. Um, with a group called Global Television Sports, which actually ran Hoop It Up. It was the NBA's three-on-three played in Hoop It I um, played in Hoop It Up. There you go.
0: Three-on-three three <laughs> basketball tournament go. in the uh, up in the North Shore right. of Massachusetts. There's a, that mall up there. I forget what it was called. But anyway, I played That's in Hoop right. It Up. We yeah. always got our butts kicked.
1: Uh, so Hoop It Up uh, is one of those like brands. First of all, it's still around, but it also had this great is reputation. Really? And there's a lot of... Yeah, it's still around, actually, yeah. I can't forget, I want to say Kevin Garnett, and I hope I'm not misspeaking, but it's Kevin Garnett's company or somebody's company that just bought it again recently. So it continues to survive. It's still in three-basketball tournaments, taking on a lot of lives of its own. But what was great was there were so many incredible people that I worked with um, at that time. Michael Newman, who is the, you know, the managing director of Scout Sports Entertainment, who's still a good friend and hired me two more times in my career, was the guy who gave me that internship and then ultimately my senior year at college gave me that job. So seeing the, um, the world from grassroots sports, I always thought was a really incredible way to start the business because you literally would go one day from selling, you know, trying to sell six and seven-figure sponsorships to Nikes and McDonald's of the world, and the next day you are uh, cleaning bathrooms and, you know, and cleaning <laughs> up the, the, the sites. So I always say haven't been in and around events and experiential and marketing like you know I I, I did it myself I I was on the front lines and and so that speaks I really understood what it it took to actually go create and build an event but for me it was an interesting transition because a lot of my career has certainly been in and around sports media marketing um but it was probably around 2002 I partnered in a company called uh, the Squire Sports Group, which was uh, a fellow by the name of Meryl Squires, who was the founder of it. I became a partner in the sports marketing agency. And this was around 2002, and our biggest um, customer and client was a, a company called Rodale Press, which, you know, obviously they'd been sold, but they were all the health and fitness titles like men's health and runner's world and women's health and and so forth. And at the time, um, we, as a sports marketing agency and, and uh, entertainment marketing agency, would compete with the biggest, best agencies, right, the Hock and Dons and IMGs on RFPs, and continually, we'd get close, right, we'd come in second place or third place, and they would be like, wow, loved your thinking. But we decided to go with the, you know, the more sort of true company with bigger resources and sort of, you know, more backing to them. So I had the idea. And I said, Well, okay, there's a shift happening in this world, in the world of like health and wellness, where it's not just becoming you know, for people that are runners or dieters anymore. This is becoming a real sort of fabric of the sort of the country of like, if this is a lifestyle. And yes, at the time, there was things like South Beach Diet and these fad diets, and it became like a, a huge, a huge hit. However, by, by working with Rodale Press, any brand that cared about health, wellness, and active living, um, their RFPs were coming across my desk by virtue of what we did for Rodale. So I had the idea, and I went to Merrill, and I said, hey, why don't we just you know, not leave the sports entertainment completely, but why don't we just like, tell the world that now we're experts at healthy active living. And what it's going to do is, we're going to ride this wave of something that's like growing and building number one, number two, we're going to tell the world that we're thought leaders, right? And we'll, you know, we'll be able to back that up by virtue of the fact that we work with Rodale. And number three, yeah. and most importantly, and I think this is something that you know, would be good for your audience is so an opportunity to differentiate ourselves, right? There were a lot of great sports marketing agencies, entertainment marketing agencies, and obviously there still were. It wasn't that we weren't one of them. It wasn't that we didn't do good work. It wasn't that we didn't have great thinking, but we weren't different enough. We didn't bring something that was really unique to the marketplace. So for me, and I'm also a, you know, I come from a family of gym teachers and coaches. So for me, personally and professionally, both as an athlete, you know, growing up, um, as well as like just like living that life inside my house of, coaches and gym teachers, it was ingrained in me. So it was a personal passion. That I quickly made a professional passion. So from there on out, in my mind, not that I you know, I've worked in and around sports for you know most of my whole career, but I saw an opportunity to try to do something different. And I, I didn't just say, I was an expert I really try to throw myself into what is it that makes me an expert in health, wellness and active living? What is unique about the way that we think about what we think you know the opportunity is, and the biggest brands in the world, from Niccolo Ultra to uh, to Lipton iced teas, to you know literally like five of the biggest brands in the world hired us for intellectual capital, but as well as for us to go create programming. We built a nice business out of it, and between health, wellness, and fitness, and in my other passion, which is really what famous is about, which is youth and amateur sports, and especially as it relates to technology. Because off of Squire's, um, that partnership, I went and worked for almost eight years at the Active Network, which was really sports, active living, and um, youth and amateur sports technology sort of all rolled in one. But that's really where, um, really where I turned the career you know, around uh, 2002, not only because of the opportunity, because I said, I'm going to do something every day, all day and I'm going to differentiate myself. I want to do something I'm passionate about, and that, that really kind of led me to this world and this business.
0: So do you think passion was your differentiator, or what do you think your specific differentiator was?
1: I think it was passion. I, I think also it was a, um, the old adage of, you know, doing well while doing good, which was I saw an opening, right? I saw an opportunity. I'm not saying that others didn't see it, right? Right. Um, I'm just saying that, for me, the white space was off the charts. Like, I, 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 there wasn't a day that I woke up and wasn't like, oh, my God, there's so much we can do. There's so much opportunity. There's so much we can create. And, you know, one of the ways that we did that when I was at uh, the Scott Wellness Group, which was part of, you know, Scott Sports Entertainment and Horizon Media, part of the reason why we started that division was we were going to all the biggest media companies in the world and the biggest friends in the world saying, let's go create stuff to help people live better live healthier live more connected lives right it wasn't just about dieting and and working out it was about you know living more balanced and more well so um so for me I think it was as much about it was certainly a passion point but it was also about the opportunity to go actually create and be a first mover which uh, to me led me to you know to, to the excitement about what I was doing
0: and then I see in your background, too, which has been a big change. You talked about, you know, selling men's health magazines and Runner's World magazines, that digital and mobile uh, platforms uh, became more and more uh, vital in your career and more and more as part of the forefront. Uh, how did that transition go? And talk a little bit through that. Yeah, I think it's, it's,
1: it's in the DNA in that, um you want to, you know, if you if you view yourself as a creator, uh, right, and again, I, I'm the first one to say I'm over 40, right, so I'm never going to be a first mover when it comes to new tech and new solutions, right? I'm always going to, that's why it's important if you're going to start companies in sports tech, you better do it with, you know, young genius 20-somethings because huh. cause they're they're really the users. So I always make that joke because I have uh, business partners that are, you know, 20 years younger than me but they're as valuable and bring something very different, even though I might bring experience, they bring a view of the world in a way that they engage in technology and and marketing very differently. And, you know, they're, uh, they're stronger with me. and I'm stronger with them. So I always think about that, you know, for kids that are out of school, there's a lot that you bring to the table in and around social and digital and, and mobile that, you know, more experienced people just don't bring. So just something to kind of keep in mind. So for me, I think, I always view myself as a creator, somebody that, you know, I didn't think I grew up around people that if you have an idea, like nothing's impossible. Don't think that you can't be the one to go do it, right? We all have good ideas, but not many people act on them. So I think part of, you know, what I did at my old um, uh, at my old startup called the Spotlight and then kind of what I'm doing now with Famer is if you can create it, you can think about it, you can go find, you know people that are product experts, people that are, you know, brand experts, people that are marketing experts, if you have the right vision and you know what the market will, will offer. So for me, um, I think it's part, this is where we think the world is going, right? When you think about youth and amateur sports technology and what FEMA brings to the table, it is so much about, you know, the way kids learn today, right? So our vision is to create the first ever sports education technology platform where we literally are connecting sports clubs, coaches, trainers um, with kids to help them train and become better at whatever sport that is, whatever they're trying to accomplish inside that sport, be able to connect on a mobile platform. But one of our differentiators is not just tech, but also the way the content looks and feels. Anybody who has children, right, or even kids in their 20s see you know, the way that they engage in content is very different than the way it used to be. It's got to be short form. It's got to be actionable. Yeah, right. It's got to be mobile, right? It's got to be quick, to the point, give me what I need, and help me stay on a plan. And that's really what Famer has done so well, which is we're not only helping uh, – we're not only providing a platform, a technology platform, but we view ourselves as content creators and content partners. So we are helping coaches who have no idea how to create content, build content, build curriculum – they're putting themselves on film, especially right now with, you know, social distancing, while we can't help them create the content in person, they are taking their iPhones and their cameras, and they are building they they know how to teach and train whatever sport it is that they're in. And now we're teaching them how to put that on film, edit it and turn it into actionable short form mobile video that can be distributed to athletes that's personalized, that's customized, and helps them make money, whether it's through a club an organization or directly, you know, through one on one training. So empowering audiences that aren't typically used to using technology this way is something, you know, again, there's there's not many good things obviously that have come out of the current situation that we're in right now. But that's one of them, which is people are forced to figure out technology and mobile, whereas they're typically too busy, don't have the time, and now it's the only way for you know for kids and coaches and clubs to be able to engage is through you know the a distance learning tool or a mobile coaching tool like Famer.
0: So let's talk a little bit. Let's you you, you were uh, hinting at what kind of Famer is. Let's go right into it. What is talk about Famer? Yeah. So Famer
1: is. How did it even come about? Advantage. Like where does? Yeah. So absolutely. So. Um, having been in and around the world of you know youth amateur sports technology, working at the Active Network, and then having my own startup called Spotlight, um, it's a you know it's an industry like I said that I've been very passionate about, have a lot of interest in. Um, my startup didn't work out, right? So another good teaching lesson, which is uh, you know just because something didn't work out, I never once said to myself, "Oh, okay, I need to just like you know move on from that and go do it." I a was still competitive and annoyed that it didn't work out but B I didn't let it stop me from pursuing something in the same industry in the future so I went and worked for um Tough Mudder as their head of global sales for two years or just under two years and it was a great great ride great company um, tremendous people I love this sort of the vision and the passion of you know what Tough Mudder did but for me I always wanted to get back into helping build and start up companies so famer the vision for Famer was actually born out of Tel Aviv, Israel, with my co-founders, a couple of gentlemen who had the idea to build a mobile coaching platform. And if you're going to build a mobile coaching platform, you got to do it in America, where obviously youth and amateur sports is through the roof, and it's clear as to who pays for it, it's clear that there's, you know, big upside and opportunity if you're able to kind of figure out what the right model is. So they came through uh, investors of the company, they came and found myself, and ryan marshall who's our head of operations who was also with me at, at our, my last startup and before we took the job they interviewed us but didn't just interview us like you know like tell me about yourself the interview was what would you do with this company so we were able to help kind of formulate our own vision and business plan so just about a year ago we launched it here in the states um the vision is to work directly with the biggest, best, you know, sports clubs and organizations across the country and actually help them create their own content and curriculum. These coaches and clubs have all this tremendous, like, teaching and opportunity to, like, tell their story, their intellectual property of the way that they teach, train, connect with athletes. So if you think of, like, anybody who has children, right, um, if you think of, like, what's happened in education technology over the last bunch of years where it wasn't too long ago that... You know, the kids would come home from school and I'd ask my children, how was school today? And they'd say, good. And I'd say, well, what'd you do? And they'd say, nothing. And I literally would have to reach in a backpack, right, of, of you know, junk to find out what was going on in school, right? There was nothing that was really, like, telling me other than, like, an open school or If your kid is in trouble, you get a, a message home. Now, everything is connected to technology. So school, teacher, are communicating with parent and student, so we know you know unfortunately for our children how school is going right what they're working on what assignments they might have missed where they're struggling how to support them at home so that's completely transformed and trend you know the way that schools and education works like my wife who is a second grade teacher when she communicates with the 22 you know kids and families in her class she doesn't get some engagement she gets 100 percent engagement because the communication and the you know what what the kids need to do, it's coming directly from their teacher who knows the student. So we felt like the same behavior was missing from the world of youth and amateur sports, right? Kids, either a, they don't know how to, you know, practice or train like they're on the field and they are getting ignored in like group and team training. So they're not able to, to actually work on the individual skills to help make them better at whatever sport they're with playing. Second thing is, when they come home, they don't know how to teach. They don't know how to train. They don't know what to do. We see, you know, kids literally forget more than 50% of what they learned within five minutes coming off the field. So they're going home. If I say to my son, I want you to go outside and practice basketball. What do you think he's doing? He's doing, you know, Kevin Durant, one foot step back, (laughs) right? Not, he's not practicing the things that are going to make him a better basketball player. And then the third thing is mom and dad are completely out of the loop, right? Even the parents that are, play the sport that their kids are in, go to practices and games. They don't know how to teach and train their child. So what we're doing is through technology, club and coach are now connected with parent and athlete, and we're actually giving them, here are the things that you need to work on to make yourself better at whatever sport that it is. And it's not just off-the-shelf, you know, content. It is direct from your coach, trainer, or club, right, the people that you trust, that you've paid money to and you trust with your child. It is uh, age-specific, skill-specific, you know, based off of who you are, you're, you know, able to get a plan that really helps you get better at that sport. So it becomes very personalized and very customized. And on Famer, there's, you know, big group sort of training and communication, whether you're like a whole club, there's team training, and then there's individual training. So you can actually sign up with like a, a one-on-one coach, and then we have all these tools that we've built where you can communicate there's you know analyst tools like illustration and voiceover, so you're really able to get that one-on-one training experience and communication um directly on the app so that's that's really our business model again we work definitely with big sports clubs and organizations big clubs like you know a big organizations like a, a super soccer stars big sports clubs like some big you know soccer clubs big basketball organizations etc we also work with some of the top flight like, trainers um in the world we're launching right now with a gentleman by the name of tyler ralph who's one of the biggest basketball trainers and he's got 420,000 um, followers on instagram so people oh, wow. that you know reach the masses yeah and, and they want to bring that to kids you know anywhere in the world we're also partnering with some major um professional sports organizations a couple that i can't announce today but they're on their way so so we're really trying to diversify all the different sort of options in ways that, but the angle is still the same. It's about mentorship, it's about keeping kids on track, and it's about providing them the tools and the content and the sort of training they need to continue to advance their skills. Whether it's in obviously an unfortunate global pandemic where the only way to connect, but then obviously hopefully we get back on the fields and the courts pretty soon, and it allows kids to extend and enhance their training beyond just what happens, you know, when they're on a team.
0: So is do you consider yourself, you know, this is, it feels, you know, you're obviously coaching, you're a technology company. Yes, we're absolutely a technology company. Um, and, I would call
1: us a technology company as well as a content creation company.
0: So when it comes to content creation, uh, and I find this interesting because sports tech, um yes. Is really going through the roof, and as someone who's knee deep into it every single day, excuse me, creating content, creating things that have never existed before. Where do you see sports tech heading in the next five years, ten years? What does Famer look like in the next three, five, ten years uh, as sports tech continues to grow?
1: You know, I think part of it is um, obviously tech. And sports tech should make life easier more connected and whether you are training for any number of a hundred sports and you're trying to accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to whether it's for you know I want to get better because I want to be able to be more social and go play basketball or I want to you know actually go get a division one scholarship and everything in between technology should work for you meaning you should be able to receive something that's customized personalized and then even we, we believe in localized, meaning like, yes, it's nice to have a coach or a program of, you know, a worldwide brand, like, like, you know, Barcy United or, or IMG Academy teaching you and training you. But at the end of the day, allowing these great coaches and these great trainers and programs to be able to bring their story to life, because what we're finding is there's so many great people out there with such great stories to tell. They just need somebody to actually help them create and tell that story so what we where we think it's going to you know go for sure is a couple places one is um we're going to help you know millions and millions of coaches and trainers and programs become storytellers we want them to bring their personal personality on film and be able to continue to show what their special sauce is and bring that to life through short form actual mobile video but also to be able to you know help differentiate their program and differentiate what they do so that's the first thing right um the second thing is and for sure like artificial intelligence and machine learning like we also want to get to the point you need some years of data for this for sure is you want to get to the point where you understand what makes a better coach you understand right through technology what makes a better athlete so it's not just like repetition of do this you know skill or drill four times today and you're going to continue to get better that's part of it but we want to be able to show through tech and through data what the progression of an athlete looks like what a good coach um, looks like and how they engage and how they know what type of content they build and how they actually teach and train so that's where technology should really be able to help you take off and we've built like the sort of back-end data structures that really help us build on top of that now you need a lot of data to be able to go tell that story for sure but like we should be able to in time be able to really break down your movements and what you're doing around these skills or drills or moves or teaching principles and really be able to like help turn you into a better athlete or a better coach so that's that's absolutely where we think you know the world is going on our side and it's uh, it just becomes the more data you have right the millions of athletes and the hundreds of thousands of coaches as they continue to share video and, and content and programming, the more um, we're able to decipher that information and it continues to, you know, continues to work for us. So that's, that's, I think a couple of areas that we definitely see. And then for us, you know, it's about self-service, right? You want, you know, technology should be simple and intuitive. Creating a platform and tools that go let even the, you know, the 55-year-old coach who's like, never touch technology, which again, those, those can become less and less of those in the next five, ten years, but we've yeah, never right. really engaged with technology because they didn't grow up around it. We want them to feel as comfortable as, you know, the, the, you know, the 28-year-old, you know, basketball coach who, you know, just came out of college five years ago. So the goal is to make this very um, friendly, inviting, and intuitive for anybody and everybody, but we also think, you know, we, we want to help, you know, make better coaches and better players and, Like I said, it's not just about getting better, like I want to be in, uh, get a college scholarship. That's the top, you know, 1%, like make a, get a D1 scholarship. It's about just helping each kid get better no matter what they're better at.
0: And last question for you as you kind of build the sports tech uh, company. You obviously have seen throughout your career uh, many great young up-and-coming executives. When you're hiring at Famer, um what are some of the uh qualities? What are some of the things that you are looking for now as a, in a sports tech uh in a sports tech company uh, of young up and coming uh sports executives that are coming out of college? What are some of the things that you are looking for that make great uh future um uh, employees for your company?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um So, you know, I'd say first and foremost, you know, for us, because we're, you know, we're still a new company, which means that whoever we hire becomes a difference maker, right? So, again, it's the easiest thing to say is, well, we're looking for difference makers. But what does that really mean? To me, what it means is we're looking for people that are fearless. And I know that the job that I took out of college, and, you know, we started the interview this way, which was, I went from selling, you know, six-figure sponsorships to cleaning (laughs) bathrooms. Um, You almost have to have that same mentality, which is because when I was done with that job after whatever it was, four years, um, I felt like I was a different – I was different than the other 25, 26-year-old out there because I really had experience. So I ate up that experience. And to this day, there are things that I did then, and I can still draw back on that experience. So when you take a job, don't just think about – where can I make the most money? What's the most prestigious sounding company, right? A big part of what you should be thinking about is, where can I get my hands dirty? Like, where can I get the most experience, learn from the right people, and go build? And maybe, you know, that's where I figure out, like, what it is I should be doing for a living. But I think looking for, you know, something that is going to challenge you, and again, we're looking for, again, people that want to I want to get into the weeds and I want to help us figure out sales strategies and brand strategies and production strategies. Like this is, we're not looking for somebody to hide behind sort of a job or a role. We always say there's no place to hide and it becomes quite evident quite quickly if you're somebody that kind of wants to just sit on a role or sit on a job. I also think that whatever it is that you do, right, whether you're going to be in sales or um, you're the opposite of a salesperson, being able to feel comfortable selling yourself and selling your brand or selling your product or whatever it is that you do it is for everybody. Whatever you end up doing in the rest of your career, um, we're all in sales in some way, shape, or form. So I think it's Amen. an important thing to think about. Yeah, I know that you're a sales guy. I could draw from some crazy experiences from uh, you know I, I in college worked at a uh, at a place called Stratton Oakmont, which is what the Wolf of Wall Street is based off of, and 150 calls a day for a full summer with people yelling in my ear and like yelling down my neck and trying to open up stock opportunities <laughs> if you could do things <laughs> like that or, sell, or selling door the door you could do anything so i know like i'm a little bit older than most of your audience so some of my experiences aren't you know necessarily the best ones but what it did is it really taught me how to sell and I was fearless when it came to trying to pick something that I believed in or thought highly of. And I think it's find something that you love, find something you're passionate about, um, sell the hell out of it no matter what you're doing, and try to find opportunities that, you know, push and challenge you. And then, you know, again, I'm sure this comes up on all your podcasts, but, you know, go network yourself like crazy because, you know, luck is, uh, is created by, uh, by hard work and, I'm sure if I told you my story, Rob, if you told your story, many of the stories that are told, a lot of it happens by luck slash networking, turns into big opportunity or, or like puts you on the road for your first successful career.
0: Amen. We thought that's a great way to finish because we talk about that nearly on every podcast. Uh, about networking and how hard work will make your own luck. So, um, Rich, I am so thankful uh, for you taking the time. Best of luck with Famer, and uh, I can't wait to see it be integrated in every, uh, every sport, every youth sport, everything that you can ever imagine. Um, excuse me, I think that what you're doing is just amazing and uh, so thankful that you take the time uh, to join me here on uh, Front Office Features. Lots of fun. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you having us. Hello, and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and my guest today is Adam Richmond. Adam is the president of Stratomatic, the baseball board game, and more. Adam, welcome to Front Office Features.
2: Hey, Rob. Good to to be here. Good to meet you.
0: It is uh, good to meet you as well. So, um, as I'm always interested in people's beginnings, right? And you have an interesting beginnings. You were up, uh, I am uh, from outside of Boston, you went to Tufts and, uh, and Harvard business school. Can you talk a little bit about your college, uh, life, your, and your early career? What kind of, what was your kind of path? Describe your path.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm a Boston kid for my education. I, uh, did my undergrad at Tufts and my grad at, at HBS in Cambridge. And, uh, um, I, uh, I have a, I have a very sort of, uh, I think, uh, split background, um, which, which was very different than most people at Harvard business school. Um, my undergrad at Tufts was a, I was a double major in English and creative English, creative writing and, and, uh, dramatic theater production. So I was no kidding. Yeah. Focused on on producing theater and producing.
0: So what did you want to do when you like, when you were a, a, uh, senior in high school, what was like, what was Adam Richmond doing? Um, What what was your dream as a senior in high school?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, I was always interested in media and entertainment. That that was always my interest, and and uh, um, I've always loved putting things together. Whether that's you know projects, whether that's movies or films or or, or uh, movies, films or, or television series, or if it's companies in, in in that industry. You know, I think that what I what I've come to learn about myself is that. Um, I love working on things that are somehow contributing to the cultural fabric, and um, are contributing to uh, to things that people are talking about and are interested in, and um, that is really what sort of drew me to all the different things that I've done in my career. And I've I've done a lot of different things. I started off uh, producing live theater. I started uh, running different theaters in. Berkshire County, Massachusetts, in Western Mass. Uh, and uh, that led me to um, running a theater company in New York City and eventually getting a job in television at, at HBO. Um, this was all before I went to uh, to business school up, up at Harvard and then up uh, at so, HBS and... Um, really like so is
0: it running those businesses so of the theaters, and, theaters that
2: and decided to fully uh, move away from theater and really focus on on film and TV and and you know I have to say just as as we're talking to up-and-coming uh, young people who are interested in, in jobs in in the sports and media industry um, you know for me uh, as an undergrad at Tufts really really being in in a, in a creative major and in, both in Creative writing and in in theatrical production, um, I felt like I had a really solid education in on the creative side. But I realized that as I sort of really found myself as a producer and as someone who was interested in running and building different businesses, that I didn't really have any formal business training. So it was when I was in college in the midst of sort of this wonderful creative education, that I actually decided that I would go and get an MBA, because I really wanted to balance myself off, um, so that I had both the creative and the business side. And it was frankly the best decision I ever made. Um, when, I, when I eventually uh, went to HBS, I applied to HBS and, and to a bunch of other business schools while I was still an undergrad, and uh, um, actually took took acceptance at HBS on a, a two-year deferral while I was a senior at Tufts. and. Um, what, what I realized was that most of the people at business school came from very, certainly at that time um, in the 90s, uh, very sort of traditional business backgrounds. They were either at a bank or a consulting firm. Um, and for me, being someone from the creative uh, industry, I was sort of very much of an anomaly there. And, and uh, I have to say, going to business school, um, when I'm talking to young people about their careers and talking to them about how they... Um, how they want to sort of figure out their track i always recommend business school because it, it is just a wonderful uh wonderful way to sort of change the way your mind thinks especially if you are more of a creative person um you you really start from uh in, in terms of your learning it, the, the learning curve is wonderfully enormous
0: i can imagine right it seems like two total polar opposite things the uh, creative writing and theater production to harvard business school you don't see a lot of uh those people happening um and you talked a little bit about it it was you were pro- you were totally the anomaly was it was it weird was it like what, did you get the bef- did you get like even more so the itch of running a business when you were uh running the theaters in new york before business school was that did that help you uh as you went to hbs
2: you know, I think I think the reason <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting question. I think the reason uh, I think the reason why HBS was interested in me is because I was I was there wasn't any, there weren't other people there like me at that time, and, right. and uh, you know I, I think that uh, you know I think that that the the idea of um, The idea of someone who wasn't necessarily, you know, in the 90s, everyone would graduate from HBS and you'd go into banking or you'd go into, some, mostly, most people went into finance Um, and then, you know, eventually people transferred into tech. But, you know, so I think I was, I was definitely uh, someone who was looking at things a little bit differently. And, you know, my experience there, I mean, for me, when I was taking classes like finance and statistics, I was really learning them for the first time. And it was great because. I was doing all those things in the businesses I'd been running before business school, but I had no foundation for them whatsoever. And so it was just great getting that foundation.
0: Gotcha. That is an interesting thing. So your whole life was kind of, and then you kind of get into this uh, media world. How did you, with this being kind of the sports business podcast, how did Stratomatic come about the only here's my one memory of stratomatic i'm a giant i uh, I, i'm a i work in baseball now and baseball has been my life i always say i never missed the baseball season since my mom was my first t-ball coach and i love baseball but i had a roommate my first year working in baseball and he played stratomatic all the time and like they would be out on the kitchen table forever and it's like hey i'm going to the bar and he's like all right i'm gonna play stratomatic and i was like all right we're not gonna hang out too much but uh how did you take it from like one of these kind of like you know niche board games to now something that's got to evolve into a in a technologically advanced kind of technologically advanced society
2: so uh, it's it's a great question, and so so, it's as as you know, Rob. My father invented this game uh, almost sixty years ago, um, and uh, you know, about twelve years ago, he came to me and said, you know, I, you know, he and and the company was was doing well at the time, but he just said, you know, I think I think we sh- we should think about selling the company and. Um, uh, but he wasn't, you know, he had a windows game at the time, but he wasn't really doing anything at all in the digital space. And he came to me and I, and I started to poke my nose around about possibly selling the brand. And I realized in the process of doing that, that, huh, you know, this is, this is actually such an unbelievable brand and one that has a lot of low hanging fruit that hasn't been, uh, developed and, um, and wouldn't this be fun to take this brand where it has this incredibly sticky fanatical audience, really blow it out on the digital side and also um, expand what it's doing on the physical product side um, and really in this new technological age, make it the definitive simulation company. So um, about 10 years ago is when I really got deeply, deeply involved with Stratomatic Um and, and really took over the, the management side. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's been amazing because what we've, we've totally remade the company from really a mail order company, which what it what it was, into an internet company. And that has both a, um, a community-based component because Stratomatic really is a community of fans and of players. And it also obviously, of course, has a commerce component. So, you know, our our um, the line that we're always walking is one of development for community and also, of course, commerce, because that's what drives the success of the business. And expanding on other platforms, I mean, we are, you know, we're online. I mean, our, our, our Stratomatic 365 platform, which we have in baseball and football, is just exploding this right now for obvious reasons, as are yeah. you know, all... Um, streaming content companies that you can uh, enjoy and immerse yourselves in at home. So uh, it's, it's just, it's been a fantastic journey uh, really watching, watching Strat blossom. And um, that being said, you know, we we're we have apps now We're as I mentioned, we're online. Um, we have our windows platform, which every year just gets more and more robust. Next year we'll be announcing a whole nother platform that we'll be on that I can't discuss right now that um, that will be sort of complete the circle of Stratomatic being everywhere. So we're very excited about that.
0: So you've really turned Stratomatic from a board game to a technology firm.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really, you know, and I think that's never been more evident than it is right now as, you know, when, when major league baseball said they weren't playing and we announced that we actually would be simming the 2020 season every day, uh, which we have been, and we just launched our, um, NBA 2020 sim uh, on wednesday will be will be uh, starting tomorrow simming all the playoff games as well i mean really it's it, it the company is becoming um, a data and digital information source as well and you know we're, we're also going to be announcing in the next couple of weeks some major media partnerships sort of looking at the brand and looking at that company in that light so it's really it's really sort of attacking the brand development in a multi-prong approach.
0: And um, it's the, the building of the brand is so key. And I think uh, as I was kind of learning more, you know, I always remember Stratomatic, like I said, as a baseball thing, but you've expanded the football and basketball and and now a technology firm. And you also talked about the media approach. Um, You've got this whole side of your, um, your career that is uh, that is media driven. You want to talk about what Double Nickel Entertainment is, and you know the great movie uh, that I even think I've seen. I'm not a big movie guy, but uh, Grand Torino <laughs> uh, and the IP rights. You want to just kind of talk about that side of your your career as well?
2: Sure. I mean, so you know, I'm very fortunate in that um, what I do on both the Stratomatic side and on the Double Nickel side is very project based, and um, so it enables me to sort of, uh, move between the two companies. And Double Nickel, um, is, uh, is my production company of which I'm a, uh, a partner, uh, 50% partner in it with my amazing business partner, Jeanette Kahn, who used to run DC Comics and Mad Magazine. And, um, and what we, uh, what we do, um, is we're, we are a content IP company and we, develop film and television, uh, for different platforms. And, um, uh, we are under uh, an overall deal in television right now with Sky Networks in the UK. Um, and on the movie side have made many movies, the most uh, famous of which is Clint Eastwood's Gran Torino, which, uh, was his most successful box office movie that he ever starred in. Um, so
0: that's a heck of a uh tout for you know clint eastwood yes
2: it was really uh we we're very fortunate um i mean the movie is um it's a it's the movie is about everything that we're about which is you know talking about uh issues of race and multiculturalism and and you know making the world a bit better which it really needs right now (laughs) yeah right yeah so um but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, both Stratomatic and Double Nickel walk hand in hand together in that they create products that, as I mentioned earlier, that are, are absolutely in the cultural conversation and are um, are things that people, that are bringing people joy. You know, I mean, I think like one of the great things, especially right now with Stratomatic is that everything we're doing um, with uh, with all the products that we have producer and we have the richest, deepest uh, sports statistical library for games anywhere uh, in both, in all of our sports, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey. Um, And what they're doing right now is people are hunkered down in their homes um, and they are looking for things to do. They're looking for ways to connect intergenerationally parents with their kids, grandparents, if they're there as well with, with their grandchildren, is that they're engaging families, you know, whether it's a board game or whether it's an online game. I mean, on our 365 platform, we're just seeing tons and tons of fantasy players now coming um, from uh, fantasy to 365 to uh, because because obviously there's no fantasy going on right now because there's no MLB season. So we're so happy that we've been able to give people some entertainment during this incredibly difficult time.
0: So when you're seeing all these people coming over from fantasy, because, right, there's nothing, there's no fantasy sports right now, yeah. when sports does come back, what's your retention strategy so that the, all these people that you got from fantasy sports that they just don't all ship out after? What's your retention wow. strategy? It's
2: a great question, Rob. So, you know, our, retren- our retention strategy is sort of multi-pronged. Um, you know, so we've there have been two buckets that we've really been successful during this time and in, in digging into, one of them is getting new young people who are hungry to connect with baseball and the sports, and obviously have no live sports to connect to. So they're coming to us because they have heard of us, but they've never experienced us, um, and they're they're coming to us now because we are we are the market leader in simulation, and simulation is is what's available right now. Um, and uh, the, other, the other bucket is lapsed players. You know, we have millions and millions of players over the last 60 years that have played Stratomatic who are, um, who are coming back to the game, whether it's someone who hasn't played the game in 15 years and goes down to their basement and digs out their old Stratomatic, or it's someone who logs on to stratomatic.com and orders five new sets because they're looking for something to do right now, or they download you know, two rosters for our window game, one, let's say the the 1918 season and the and the 1986 season, whatever whatever it is it's you know pe- pe- lapsed players are coming back too so the retention of them um, what what we're what we're hoping is going to happen is that you know people have been reintroduced to Strat or introduced to Strat for the first time and they're realizing that this is just a wonderful way not only to connect with sports but to connect with the history of sports and so if you're a Yankees fan. Um, or you're a Mets fan. I mean, you're, you're going to connect with certain seasons where those franchises, franchises did well. And it's the same thing for football or basketball or hockey. Um, So we're hoping that this really plugs into the love of people's history of sports and that that helps to keep people sticking around. And also, you know, I think what, what we're finding just from the feedback we're getting from people is that they're falling in love with our product, either for the first time or, or all over again. And, that kind of passion, what we've found, is incredibly sticky, and, and people people hang out for that
0: it 's all very interesting. I, I just love the thought process that goes into businesses uh, like yours. Uh, while I had you, I wanted to get your opinion the, you've got a great history and experience in, you know, television and TV and entertainment in general, plus, uh, from the technological side in regards to what you're doing with strat. So your media and technology plus add in the sports component, where do you see in five, 10, 15 years, uh, technology, sports and media, uh, going, uh, in the future?
2: Well, you know, I think you're, I think there's a very clear path of where it's going. I think you're seeing sort of total integration of of different areas of entertainment and media. So you're seeing basically now when you're watching a uh, a live sporting event, although obviously not this second, but you know when you're generally watching yeah. a live sporting event, um, there's sometimes there's a a game a gaming element while you're waiting for the next batter to come to the mound or you're waiting for the next play in a basketball game you know there's a quick stat that's run with a you know a quick a quick quiz up or some sort of game so that people are always being entertained um, so I think what what you're seeing is sort of with the with the incredible growth in technology you're seeing the opportunity for everything to converge even more on both in live events and also in in games separate from live events I think that that the availability of data, which is so important, and that obviously is what makes what drives Stratomatic, is just so rich and so um, so detailed that any sort of product um, will will have the technological flexibility to sort of perform in a way that these platforms that we once called movies or TV or games, it's all going to feel a lot more seamless, and that also goes for. Purchasing, and you're seeing that already. I think that you know the ability to purchase product that you're seeing in um, in in movies, in television, and also, frankly, in sports. The way that sponsorship is being integrated, um, as opposed to just having like a game and then an ad where the, the sponsor has the ads. I think it's all going to be much more seamless.
0: Interesting. That's an interesting take. I, um, you know, I'll be very uh anxious to see kind of what happens here uh in the coming uh coming years in regards to sports how it'll be broadcasted how to be shown and how people will uh consume it because who knows you know 10 years from now did you think youtube would be what it would be the second largest search engine in the world right so yeah, um everything is just uh changing so quickly um, as you, with you know, owning and being the president of so many companies, uh, one question I like to ask our guest is, when you see people just graduating college and they're just getting started, what are some qualities, what are you looking for in regards to uh, entry-level employees? What are some of the differentiating factors that you see from uh, you know, uh, a great uh, entry-level person and someone who just doesn't cut the mustard?
2: So it's such an interesting question, Rob, and I, I wanna tell the story of, of, of a guy named John Garcia who, who works at Stratomatic and is a senior executive now at Stratomatic. Um, so uh, 10 years ago, at our 50th anniversary in New York City, we had hundreds of people from all over the country and Canada come to New York City to Converge and basically have a, essentially it was like what was a Stratomatic Comic-Con. And uh, it was just, it was a phenomenal event. And, and towards the end of the event, uh, you know, I, was, I was sitting at one of the, the tables at, at the last uh, session of the event, and this young guy comes up to me He's a senior in college and uh, um, you know, says, introduces himself to me and, and, and talks about his majoring in statistics and how he loves uh, sports and, and sports games, and he's been a Stratomatic fan for a long time, and he really knew the product that he was talking to me about really expressed himself well and just said, you know, I, I'm I've, my dream is to work at this company. And um, and it, he just it struck me how articulate he was, how direct he really? was and how smart he was. And and the fact that he had the chutzpah basically to come to this event, find me at the event, um, find the exact right person that he needed to find to get a job at this company. And not only is that what happened. But I mean, he's literally one of the very, very top people at our company. And um, we just he's, he's integral to everything we do. And uh, so, um, so what I would say is to young people out there, you know, you're at a really unique inflection point when you're graduating from university. And right now, obviously, it's, it's, it's also a strange inflection point, because of everything going on in the world. And but things, the first thing I would say about that is things will get better so hang on but um, yeah but you know you're at a point where you can write to anyone and and really in a way that's that that people will listen that it'll be harder when you're further on in your career because you're really starting with a completely fresh canvas and you know like we did with John Garcia he brought so many terrific ideas to our company that's what young people are bringing to companies that have been around for a long time, whether it's a huge business or small businesses. Um, it's bringing energy, it's bringing ideas, it's bringing new perspective. So don't be afraid to go to the top and ask for a meeting. And you might not get it, but you might get a meeting with someone. And, and you know, be prepared, really read up about who you're talking to before you talk to them. Read up about what the, companies, the company you're talking to has done, what they're planning to do, because that's what will impress people. You know it's when when people have done their homework when people have um really uh really done preparation for a discussion it it really shows, and I think uh the more passion you can show for something, the more of an impact you'll make
0: well, I love it, love it the preparation passion Uh, i think those are two important p's in the world uh we talk a lot about effort and attitude and uh that falls well within that and um adam i just want to say thank you so much for uh joining us i find what you're doing interesting i find your perspective interesting um and uh i love that you're basically turned an old board game into a, a multimedia tech firm almost and uh I love what you're doing, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will, will as well. So, uh, congratulations on all the success. I look forward to seeing what's next, and uh, thanks again for joining Front Office Features.
2: Thank you, Rob. I enjoyed the discussion.